Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Winners of the East London Challenge Cup soon after their formation in 1885. The old Millwall Rovers are now known to their roaring supporters as the Lions. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Big welcome to Achtung Millwall, dear listeners. Welcome to the Millwall Supporters Club's Michael Avery. Welcome to the show, Michael. Morning, Nick. You all right? Um, flat. Um, I think we're probably all in that condition today. Um, perspective is something that will probably come given time, mate, won't it? It, was, it just feels a bit like a big opportunity has been lost to us after yesterday's result. Yeah, no, it was, wasn't it? Oh, it's just, it, it's such a shame because I was saying yesterday, you know, we, I mean, with, with Fulham, the second half, we, we were just sort of half bossed out the game and, you know, we held our hands up. They were too good for us. But I hate to say, I just don't think we turned up yesterday, did we? We never got going. We had some big losses. Just looking at the team sheet here, um, all joking aside about Ryan Tunnicliffe. He's no George Savile, is he? That was a big loss from that starting eleven yesterday. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think Tony Cliff's a sort of good enough deputy, if you will, but no, he's a, you, you miss Savile. I think Savile and Wallace are two players who, who when they're not on the pitch, you, you can see just what, what you are lacking and yeah. in what departments. And as as much as I do I do like Tony Cliff, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready to take the mantle of president of the fan club yet. I, uh, I, do, I do think that Savile does offer that bit more. He does, and that was a big loss, injured from the Fulham game. Um, I didn't feel Marlon Romeo was playing with um, all cylinders firing. He went off in the 38th minute to be replaced by Conor McLaughlin, and that's another big loss, Michael, isn't it, to the, to the starting eleven? Yeah, well, it, yeah, well, it is, and um, I mean, I think, I think not, not that there's anything good that can come out of the injury, obviously, but I think at least we've got a. A replacement who is more than capable of filling that role, like that we have with, um, like we have with McLaughlin. I know everyone says, don't they, that your your first eleven is only really as good as your bench. And I know that Harris has got some criticism recently over his use of substitutions and how late they are. But if you take the kind of, um, sorry, excuse me, McLaughlin and Romeo swap, there isn't really anyone on that bench who's good enough 
to replace any of the other starting eleven, is there? No, I think depth of squad is one of the areas that we're going to need to look at over the summertime. I mean, yesterday's 2-0 loss ended the season. Um, mathematical miracles I don't believe in. Um, but there's a lot of decisions to be taken in the months ahead, in my opinion. Part of one, or part of which is is adding to the depth of the squad. You're right, the bench. You know, you compared some of the players coming in from Middlesbrough albeit on massive resources compared with us, but our bench did look second best at times, didn't it? Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. I mean, they they bring off um, a Samba Longa, who was having a, was having a great £15 game, million pounds worth of striker, yeah. Yeah, and then who comes on? Patrick Bamford. Who, yeah. I know he's a bit hot and cold in the Premier League, but remember, a couple of years ago, he was a championship Chelsea player. Sort of player of the season. Chelsea championship player. player of the season, and then... Yeah. Um, and you heard the reception he got when he came on, and you look with all due respect. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not sure where I am with Elliot at the moment. But no. you know, Morrison comes off, and Elliot comes on, and you think that's not Mark exactly Marshall. like Marshall. Yeah, it? I. Yeah, oh, sorry for Marshall's. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, I think there's like, there's a lot to. I mean, perspective is is always difficult in the immediate aftermath of a big disappointment, which is how I feel because we had a. Some might argue a once in a lifetime opportunity to to make it into the playoffs, and then the, you know the the, the promised land. Um, so we don't really know when or if that chance will come back. So it was there was a, a sense of opportunity lost, but we are up against the team containing you know a Sombolonga, fifteen million pound striker. I I thought we saw the fifteen million pound in the way he took that first chance basic long ball um, but it was great striking to take the, the rebound off of Marlon beat Hutchinson and slide it in the, the finest of margins for that opening goal a critical start for Middlesbrough mm, yeah there, there is the argument that Sommelonga should be playing at a high level certainly and yeah yesterday he was he was outstanding and Traore had a good game as well I thought Traore I thought yeah did. I thought they both had great games and you yeah. know if it wasn't for a few professional fouls I think it was on Traore Later in the second half by Hutchinson, he would have been away and that could have easily been 3-0. And I think it just, like you were saying, it just shows the gulf of where, I mean, where we are and how these teams are who can spend that much money are as well. And I think that was the same in the Fulham game as well. There's a lot of online criticism of Jordan Archer and I want to come back after this, this piece with yourself, Mike. We've got Neil Crazy Horse on after the break talking about Jordan Archer specifically. Um, but I, 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 it's easy to scapegoat in these situations and many have had their say online about Jordan and, and his errors. But yesterday, I, I don't blame Jordan Archer for the 2-0 defeat. I thought we were out milled in some ways. Tony Pullis brought all of his years of experience and did to us what we've been doing to other teams. We were bullied in that first half. Oh, certainly. Yeah, we were. I mean, you, you was watching the game. I'm not sure if you were doing it when I was, but when when you watch the game, you, you're looking thinking, they close down like we do. They yeah. they put pressure on like we do. They stop people playing like we do. They I mean, pressed. Yes, we... They pressed high. Um, we had no time. For reasons that are beyond me, we started trying to pass the ball like we're Barcelona. Um, and we, we got Millwalled, didn't we? Um, fair play to Middlesbrough. That's that's quality management, in my opinion. Mm, and I did think, as consistent as they have been this season, I, I was 
quite disappointed with the two centre halves. I didn't think they were at the races yesterday. Yeah, they looked a bit clumsy at times, which again, I'm not going to get too down on them because they've been outstanding, both of them this season, especially Cooper coming in, you know, when he was more of a backup for Webster and really making that place his own. But yeah, I didn't think it was one of their better games, the two defenders. And it, and it did leave, I know Archer did make a couple of mistakes, which ultimately, unfortunately for goalkeepers, do tend to lead to goals. But I did feel he was quite exposed as well, especially with the first goal, like we were saying. You know, Sumberlong has brought it down. Yeah, He's sort of nutmegged and... Got, managed to get his way through when a few weeks ago on form, yeah. you, you'd put money on Hutchinson winning those balls, wouldn't you? You would have expected. Um, normally, we we would um, would have done a, a, a better job, but big time situation. Middlesbrough, big club, big resources, and you know, just looking at the miraculous run that we've had, it had to end sometime. And we've probably, I think, someone posted online, it's a couple of games too many at the end of that run, and it's just caught up with us, rather, isn't it? The team looked a little tired yesterday at times. Yeah, and I think the right was on the wall when our players started to go down injured. We sort of think thinkable. Well, Romeo's gone down. Yeah, Marshall's gone down there as well. You know, is is it too much because? The tempo that we play at, I remember recently, I think it was at the fans forum recently, but they were saying about the tempo we play at is so fast and the players are so fit to have to keep playing at that tempo. And yes, there's the argument, should professional footballers get tired? But I mean, you, you, wow. you saw it there. It just, they were just dead on their feet, really, weren't they? It's, it's a, usually an argument made by people that don't go to the gym or don't run around a, their local park, isn't it? Uh, you know, you, yeah. everyone has their limits. We we have played to the maximum, and in the end, that that style catches up with us. It caught up with us versus Fulham. I think we we gave so much in the first half. We 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 looked running on empty in the second, and, and to an extent yesterday, Michael. It's just there's no more gas in the tank, is there? No, exactly, and. To be fair to the players as well and the fans and, and everyone, you can see we're still trying to put the effort in. It's not as if it's not as if we're playing badly. It's just that we were off the pace and we yeah. just looked, like you said we couldn't really get going. And I, th- I think it takes its toll. It really does because you know league, league ones are different kettle of fish altogether. You can sort of half get away with like long ball football and not doing as much running as at this level, but. Yes, it's, it's so, we said it again the season, didn't we? It's just so fast-paced and, you know, trying to keep up with it. You you will burn out if you've not got a big squad and especially if you play the same 11 every week. I think depth of squad, I mean, the the, the second goal killed it and after that I, I never thought we... We had no real chances. There was one header late in the second half, a glancing header on goal with no real power. I think it was might have been Williams from a, from a free kick or something. I, I don't know, but anyway... We, we didn't create chances, so the question arises of goal scoring. Neil, uh, Lee Gregory and Steve Morrison up front. Um, magnificent season, but we haven't scored enough goals. Um, it's, it, goal, goal scoring is goal dust and we haven't had it to the, to the level that other teams have had, have we? No, but see, see there, there's an interesting argument. I don't want to disagree with you, or you might hang up on me. But we have been on on beat and run, and we've actually gone away and won. Like We've gone on a run of unbeaten away wins. So we are getting the goals, but I know what you mean. It's it's where it tallies up at the end of the season. I mean, if the goal difference was better, we'd still be in with a sniff. So, yeah, we are scoring, but you you can argue both. You know, we we get the goals when we can, but we we, um... we don't get enough. 
That Lewis Scrabben that plays for Aston Villa looks good. I wonder if we might be interested in him over the summertime. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we could play in front of our crowd. <laughs> looks, like, looks like a Millwall-type player, doesn't he? <laughs> a Millwall-type player, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was, it's been an interesting season, and, and Jake Sanders, journalist, um, put a, an interesting tweet out, which I thought um, sums it all up in some ways, with a bit of perspective, that on this day in 2015, Neil Harris was announced as the permanent manager of Millwall, so that's, what, three years ago now. Two playoff finals, one promotion, FA Cup quarterfinals and eighth in the championship. Um, and as Jake says, hard to put into words the quality of job that he's done. That's that. That's the truth of it, isn't it? I mean, we we can all be disappointed yesterday after getting beat 2-0 at Borough, a place we've never historically done well at. But really, that, that, that paragraph there sums it all up. It's been a miraculous job by Neil. It has, but it's... Uh... It's, it's the cliche, isn't it? It's that, you know, is it better to to have never tasted the forbidden fruit than to taste it once and not experience it? You're getting very philosophical you know? now, Michael. Yeah, no, but, you know, just be, being that close, would would we... Oh, it's, 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 I know what you mean, and everyone putting it in perspective, but like we said at the beginning, it's, we're so, we were so close to doing it. You know? Absolutely. So in there. Absolutely. And that's the frustrating bit. And I think, I think this season has been amazing. It has been brilliant. And in perspective... As a Millwall fan, to even get this close to even dreaming of being in, in the elite top 20 teams in the country shows what a great job he's done. But I think it will be, it'll be, be definitely next year we need to look at. Will, will, we, get, will we get the second season syndrome? Will we yeah. keep the players? Well, will I we don't... Have to I, well enough? There's a story on News at Den, Mill boss turns thoughts to next season. I don't get any sense Neil Harris as a, as a competitor is someone to to take Jake's paragraph as, as, as his comfort for him, he will regard that as, um, as a defeat yesterday and, and we've lost out on a massive chance and he will want to improve on that next season. Um, he says here, um, we're going to set the bar even higher next year and getting into the top six is going to be one hell of an ask, but that's clearly the aim. That's, that's, that's all you can do in this league. So I don't think Neil's for settling for second best, is he? No, and and also as well, I mean, you you see with the players, and you've got someone like Jed Wallace and George Savile. Who, let, let's be brutally honest, as much as you know, they seem to like really like playing in front of the crowd and everything like that. They've not got the affiliation to Mill like a, a Ben Thompson would have, no, or no. someone who's grabs a fan. So the fact that they look like they they want to stay, and probably if 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 a, if not a humongous offer coming, they probably would say, Do you know what, I'll have another year down here. Seems good as well. I mean, in the past, under someone like Kenny Jackett, he, he built good sides. But in the summer, you had a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a cold, didn't you? Everyone just went. But I can't really see many many players wanting to leave or the club wanting to sell anyone. I think we're in a good position at the moment. And you know, one or two recruit recruitment issues getting sorted out, we should be fine. The, the issue you have got is how do you get a striker better than Lee Gregory just within your budget? Well, that's going to be the major issue. Um, we can't keep getting 46-game seasons out of Steve Morrison. Um, he, he, his legs are not going to survive another season at this at this pace, I don't think. I think he'll be more a bench man coming in to influence games, which does raise the striking issue. I know everyone's going on about goalkeeping, but up front is where the, where the issue lies for me, uh, Michael, because... As you rightly said, where are we going to find that striker? I'm hoping this 
you know, recruitment team are, are ahead of the curve on this and they're looking at people because that's going to be the critical signing. I, I, I like Tom Elliott. He seems like a lovely bloke, but I don't think he's the answer for us. No, he probably isn't. And it's, it's frustrating considering the start he had where he, you know, he was coming off the bench and scoring or in the, in the League Cup. Yeah. He was getting goals as well, and then he scored that goal. Was it? A, where, where did he go away recently? Well, he got a critical goal up at Leeds. Uh, Bolton. He's, he's, he's Bolton. He's yeah. he's done well in fits and starts, but I just don't think he's got the X factor. I don't think he's got that next level to him. I think he's a a good League One striker, but not Championship level for me. So I think that's an area that needs to be focused on. I'm sure the the, the mm. team are ahead of it. I'm sure Neil's ahead of it. Um. Harry's put a list of players that he would want to see gone in the summertime. Um, as he's for outing Ferguson, Shane Ferguson, Tunnicliffe, no surprise there, Elliot, <laughs> Shackel, um, and he wants Archer gone. Um, I'm not so sure on the Jordan Archer question. We will tackle it in a bit. But would you keep Archer? Would you would you stick a twist on Jordan Archer, Michael? Um. Well, before we before we go on, I'd like to say there's a very handsome chap who's replied to those tweets. Um, <laughs> oh no, that was me. Um, but Archer, I'd keep him. I think he's the best keeper we've got in the league. Um, in the league, in the club yeah. at the moment, I can't see Martin or um, or King getting in front of him. I think if you get rid of Archer, you need to get rid of the other two. So I don't think they they are as good. If I'm honest. I think, as I've said to, I said to Harry, I mean, mm. he's going to rate me at the moment all the time. I'm sort of sticking up for Jordan Archer here. But, I th- he's, yes, he's made mistakes and, yes, he's made howlers. But there's other games where he's been superb. Look at the Barnsley game. He, yeah. was, he, he kept us in the game. And, you know, in the Middlesbrough game as well at home um, earlier in the season, he pulled off some great saves from Stuart Downing, I remember. So, you know, he has got it. Oh, sir, I would say he's got it when he matters, but he made two hellers yesterday. What about Tunnycliffe? You're keeping players like Tunnycliffe, Ferguson. I don't know where they're contractually placed. Um, nor Elliot and Shackell. I think Shackell's on loan, isn't he? Um, Tunnycliffe didn't make enough of an impact for me yesterday. He, he uh, I, I know sometimes there's an argument that he, by occupying space, you're doing something on the football field, but. That was a big situation, and we really missed Jules Savile, and he was no, no Savile for me yesterday. Oh yeah, I'd keep Tony Cliff. I would. Would you? I think he. Yeah, I would. I think he's a good squad player to have. Um, he he proved it when Williams was out injured that he can do a job against a certain type of team. I mean, in, in the Birmingham game earlier in the season, I thought he was excellent. But I, he won't start. He won't start for me every no. single week. If no. everyone was fit, but I, I certainly wouldn't get rid of him. I mean, he's also he's also got the experience, hasn't he? Where he was on in Man United youth, and yeah. he's and he's quite humble about that. You know, everyone goes on about his youth days, and he was in the same team as all these excellent players who went on to win European Cups. And you know, you, that, that that even that's experience, Nick. You know, even that sort of yeah. players. You know, I suppose much than... depends if money comes in, and I'm thinking here of the likes of Marlon. Possibly George Savills. I mean, he must have attracted interest. Um, certainly, Marlon, I, I think, has got the you know the ingredients to go higher. If the right kind of money and the right kind of deal comes in, that could enable the squad to be strengthened elsewhere. This would be a temptation. The club will have to consider this if the if the offers come, which I'd, I'd be surprised if they didn't over the summertime. Mm, yeah, Marlon Romeo. 
with all due respect, un- unless we make the Premier League, I can't see Marlon Romeo being a Millwall player in the next two to three years. He's just Not got it, isn't he? He's he's, yeah. he's got the the the, uh, the stuff. Mm. I mean, I mean, you've. I mean, I'm not going to compare him style wise, but it was a bit like when we had like Darren Ward the first time round. You looked at Darren Ward and you were thinking, you're not going to be here much longer. You're you're superb. You're you know you're a great footballer. And then a, a few years later, he, he went on his way. Yeah. But yeah, Romeo's definitely one who I'd earmark um, for a move. I'm not trying to. I'm not Marshall, trying to would you sign him. Ben Marshall if if possible? He seems to enjoy it at the den, doesn't he? Uh, if if we could afford the wages, I've heard the wages are quite critical. And, yeah, critical. Yeah, and I've I've heard that he is um, a Wolves paying part of the salary. I'd be surprised if don't know, not. don't know. And um, and also as well, I think I heard somewhere that he's a they'd be asking something like seven hundred, eight hundred thousand for him, which for us is a huge amount of money. But I think I think if you're willing to spend that sort of money, he's the type of player because it's not often you get loan players who come down and make such an impact, do you? No, there's a, there's a post on the House of Fun from Hannibal, um, and which I, I like. It's it, it stresses the Millwall tradition and indeed need to sign not big time players, big money players. It's the lesser known. That's where our you know the diamonds in the rough, the the, the players that are coming upwards from below rather than um, players that are on big money, big big wages elsewhere. That's probably where the summer signings will take place um, just because of the resources available to us yeah it's 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 so interesting though because like we said about these lower players these times in the rough but I mean even was it is it Tom Pope when he was is it Tom Pope is that his name when he was in the lower leagues a few years back and everyone yeah. was after him and you think he was league two and they were like oh yeah we want 600 grand for him and you think 600 grand for a league two player yeah. just because he scored he scored 20 goals at fourth tier level We'll find ourselves looking at John Marquis yet. You watch, you watch. Mark my words. He's another Millwall-type player, isn't he? Another Millwall-type player. <laughs> it's been a great season. What's your highlight of the season, Michael? What would you pick out one moment? Oh, it's got to be Morrison against QPR, isn't it? Morrison against QPR, yeah. Yeah, for me, I mean... Well, I was at Leeds. I'd go Leeds for free. That, that will live long in my memory. But it, it's been a season of great moments in that way isn't it I mean it, it, it's it been an electrifying season in many respects it's um, you know, in the immediate aftermath of disappointment it's hard to see this but there's been some wonderful wonderful times this year yeah you're right and you know six weeks you know when it's like you said when it's all settled down and all promotions and relegations are confirmed across the country we'll look back and go do you know what what a year we've had and Absolutely. in a few years time we'll be telling people and go do you know what we were in absolute on fire. Deep something when he took over and look what he has done because let's be brutally honest when we had Lomas and um, Holloway in charge nobody, nobody really wanted to go down the den did they just and we wouldn't like, have dreamt of this you know when Holloway left we wouldn't have dreamt of these times so um, you've got to look at it in, in the big picture being a Millwall fan is about the big picture listeners I want to you know, any younger listeners that think that um, it's anything to do with Premier League is uh, you know deluded who would you take as your player of the season, Michael? Um, Who have you voted for? Um, Jed Wallace. I'll Wallace, OK. I thought, I thought Wallace, especially with the start of the season he had, I mean, I know obviously Hutch is getting all the plaudits and everyone's saying how great he's playing, Savile as well. You know, we had that time a few weeks back when everyone was saying how great league Gregory was, but I just think Jed Wallace just has got that little bit more for me. You know, he's... He's got quality, he's, hasn't he? 
Real yeah, he's, he's one player who, who we miss massively when he's not there. Yeah. And a lot of the time, a lot of our play, either in, or a lot of our goals or attacking play involves him or getting him on the ball or trying to find him space, you know? Yeah. Nice he's choice. I, won't, I mean, the mere fact we've got a selection, I mean, you can pick out um, Wallace, you've got Hutchinson. Um, I, I went for Lee Gregory just because of the sheer amount of work he's put in this season and the and the qualities he brings to the to the team. Um, but it, it goes on. Steve Morrison has contributed so much this season. Jules Saville. I mean, it it's quite something when you've got such a wide span of players as potential players of the season. That speaks volumes for the for the, the strength of team spirit that we've got going at the Den now. Yeah, exactly. And they all seem like they'd be. Happy for whoever got it, you know. Uh, yeah. If if someone was the player of the season, you would probably have some go. Oh, I thought I deserved that. They'd be like, do you know what? I'm really chuffed you got that because you played really, really well. Everyone seems like they get on and appreciate each other's strengths and qualities. You know, as as think Steve Morrison said, it didn't he? There's there's no egos in the team at all. No, wonderful to see. That's brilliant stuff, Michael. My my computer battery is dying, so I'm going to have to let you go mate but it's great for you to come on the show i really appreciate it um thanks for having me on and nice summertime for everyone of reflection and we all come back again in august um we've got the small matter of next week's game at home to aston villa but that feels very much like a you know a dead rubber now doesn't it yeah and who knows when we talk again in august if we do we might sound about england won the world cup (laughs) <laughs> Miracles do happen. Michael Avery, Mill Supporters Club, wonderful stuff. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Speak soon, mate. Arrivederci, Milval. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Huge welcome on the show to Crazy Horse. Goalkeepers are different, Neil, aren't they? 
They are, and um, seem to come in for a lot of criticism. Loneliest position, they call it. Um, you only ever judged on your errors in goal, aren't you? Um, yes and no, um, because obviously um, one of the defences people bring up when talking about Archer in particular is the save he made at Wembley. So yeah. people do remember the saves, um, but you're right. Um, people seem to remember the, should we say, the um, the mistakes. And, uh, you know, obviously the mistakes always make blooper reels more funny, don't they? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I read years ago a Casey Keller quote where he made that point that um, in goal, you know, the mistakes are amplified. A striker can miss three or four or five chances and get a one or two, and the mistakes are, are, you know, out the window. The goalkeeper doesn't have that luxury. It comes with the position. Um we're talking, obviously, about Jordan Archer in the aftermath of yesterday's loss at Middlesbrough, which ends the season in, in practical terms. Um, as a, some of describing it as a witch hunt on, on the House of Fun and, and also around Twitter. Um, and there's a lot of controversy about Jordan. Um, where do you stand, Neil? I mean, do you see him as a, a good, potentially great goalkeeper? Or is he, you know, is he basically a flawed goalkeeper from your point of view? Um, I think he's a goalkeeper who lacks confidence. I think that's very clear. And as a goalkeeper, you know, you thrive on confidence. Yeah. You know, um, we were spoken about him before, you know, previously, you know, but the thing is, he seems to be under a very intense magnifying glass at the moment. So every little thing is being scrutinised again and again and again. You know, and, you know, for all the saves he made up at Sheffield United, people were throwing up, well, what about Ipswich at home, you know, way yeah. back in August? Yeah. You know, and as we discussed at the time, and which people seem to overlook, that, you know, that supposed mistake that Archer made for their first, the Ipswich Town goalkeeper did exactly the same thing in the second half. Um, recovered and just managed to get it before it bounced over the line, but they were both long shots. And, yeah, we were talking about at the time of that, these new balls do swerve a lot in the air. Yes, and they keepers, do. They yeah, do. Um, keepers are now told not to try and catch it because it obviously leads to more mistakes. But the problem is they're swerving so much that, you know, you, as a goalkeeper, you've only got um, a second or two to make a judgment call and you live with that for the rest of your life. And, you know, the judgment call you make for a couple of seconds can feed a troll on the internet or, you know, an online forum for days on end. Oh, look at that. Oh, he should have saved this. He should have saved that. And, you know, you got these, should we say, fat, balding, overweight, <laughs> middle-aged blokes at home <laughs> thinking, yeah, well, I could have saved that with my eyes shut. Well, no, you couldn't, pal. Let's be honest. Um, I mean, I think the the biggest highlight, we'll move on to the goals from Middlesbrough shortly. But, you know, last week, people were really hammering for the Fulham goals. Now, the first one, you know, straight after the kickoff, you know, goalkeepers, they've got to kind of get into the game like everyone else. You know, they can be mentally sharp, you know, and if you come out and you, you just, your mindset's not right there, you, you can be quite fragile. And um, to be fair, I think he made a decent-ish save from the shot. You know, it took a, a bounce. You can see it take a bounce. Yeah. And I said at the time, you know, he had to change the way he was falling to get to that. And he kept the ball out, which is obviously the main thing. Now, a goalkeeper can keep the ball out like Ipswich away, but it's up to the defenders to clear it. And, you know, sometimes our, our defence has been a bit flat-footed, you know. Well, defence is something I wanted to talk about. We, we were just looking at the Sky Sport link of yeah. yesterday's game, weren't we? Um, 
And I mean, the first goal I think was probably great striking in a way. I mean, long ball taken well by a Sombalonga who, who gets lucky with a, a rebound off of Romeo. Then the shot to the to the near post, so to speak, takes or appears to take the slightest flick off of Hutchinson's heel. And I think Archer gets a palm to it, but can't keep it out. Comes in off the post. Um, um, yeah, I mean, that first one, I think it, it, it actually does hit um, Hutchinson on the way through. Um, but, you know, everyone's saying he shouldn't be beaten at his near post. Well, to be fair, you know, it's snuck in on the smallest of margins. It's come off the post and gone in. You know, on another day, that would have hit the post and come out or, you know, gone along the line. It's just one of those things that, you know, he has covered his near post. And for whatever reason, it, you know, it's hit the post and gone in, you know. It's not even hit the target, you know. The, the great thing in football is that people think if you hit the post, you've hit the target. You haven't, you missed. No, you, you know, missed. The post it hasn't bar, gone in the net, has it? It hasn't gone in the net. So, to all intents and purposes, you know, it's hit the post and then gone in. And But this is it with Archer at the moment. You know, if this was a couple of seasons ago when he won Player of the Year and yeah. done that, no one would have batted an eyelid there. You know, they would have probably focused more on the how the defence got caught flat-footed with the long ball, why, you know, um, Romeo didn't clear it or why Hudson didn't close down, went for the legs, you know. But now it's, or why didn't Archer save that? I think that was a tad unfair. I mean, even the commentators on the game said, you know, it went through the players' legs, you know, a bit blindsided as well and, you know, it snuck in in the post. But, you know, for us, the way some people describe it, you think, you know, it went through his legs, he's juggled it six times and kicked it into the back of the net. <laughs> I mean, it's rather like Fulham, in a sense, yesterday, the, the second goal was the, the the killer punch for me. I mean, once we've gone 2-0 down, we are probably not going to climb back from that particular mountain. Yeah. And there was a cross in from the left Miscommunication? I I don't know. Some how how anyone can say that it was keepers ball shouted in when you're sitting behind your TV screen and, unless you were there. I don't know. But it's taken. Well, a... if you um yeah, if you if you you know watch the the highlights. I mean, they're now online on Sky. You can clearly Archer say keepers. Right. You know, it, it's a clear you know. I had the sound turned there. down. Yeah, <laughs> turn the sound up. <laughs> There, there is a clear shout there. Um, but as you were about to say, I think yeah, there, there is a great angle on the Sky replays where it clearly comes off Cooper's head. Um, and the way you look at it, I know we've both looked at this quite intensely for the purposes of, you know, yeah. this kind of um, discussion. And, you know, we are in danger of turning into, you know, the 1974, you know, ITV World Cup panel. But <laughs> the, the angle of the ball came in and it clearly hits... Cooper's head speeds up at a different angle. And, you know, Archer doesn't have the time to react. Um, you know, how much of it is the goalkeeper union coming out of me and, you know, defending yeah. someone that should be indefensible? But, you know, go away, look at that second replay. It clearly comes off Cooper's head. Archer has clearly called for it. He hasn't had the time to react. You know, you can blame the pair of them, but the way some people were talking online yesterday, it, it was, you know, it was a bit ridiculous. It's got to that point now where, you know, we are pushing people under the bus and trying to find scapegoats. And, you know, we're, we're very good at this. You know, we did this with Ford. We've done this with many players down the year. But, you know, it's very hard to keep goal with 10,000 fans on your back every five minutes. That's that's the Millwall way. I, 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 we've heard about the West Ham way. This is the Millwall way to find mm. um, lynch mob, um, you know, scapegoats for, for, for our, our season. Um you and me are both old enough to remember Brian Clough signing Peter Shilton back in the 70s. Um, 
and the principle being that a truly great goalkeeper wins your games. And I'm also thinking of the likes of Peter Schmeichel and and, um, and others over the years. A great goalkeeper is a match winner. Um, now, at the moment, you've rightly identified, I think, Jordan has a, a confidence issue. Um, would you... It's a hard question. Would you keep him? Would you look to replace? Would you look to try and coach this issue out of him if it's possible? Um, yeah, I mean, it's confidence. You know, let him go away and, you know, recover over, you know, the, the summer period. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Shilton and Schmeichel, but, you know, Shilton and Schmeichel were responsible for losing some very big games um, through their antics. You know, great goalkeepers, yeah. you know, but again, not infallible. No, no. Um, you know, older listeners will remember Poland 73. I remember but, you know, it well, mate. Watched it. Yeah. Went under Shilton's body and admitted he was trying to make the perfect save for the cameras, you know, so... Goalkeepers, you know, are prone to making error. You know, it's the old saying, it's, they're like bomb disposal experts. You know, no one ever remembers the bombs they choose. <laughs> they just remember the ones that go off. The one that blew up, yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it's a tough one. Because um, obviously there's, there's something, I think, in the coaching because goalkeepers now are over punching and punching the ball. The question is, who are we going to replace him with? You know, people bandy names around and what have you. I mean, yeah, but do you actually watch these goalkeepers week in, week out? You know, someone suggested the Ipswich Town goalkeeper, who made the same mistakes as Archer, yeah. was terrible in the first half at the game at Portland Road. And, you know, was very good at stopping shots from six yards out. Um, and when they shot straight at him. But, you know, he had the same kind of um, makeup as Archer as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's the pay. You know, we're going to... How, who can we afford? You know, can we afford a championship goalkeeper? Probably not. What about a premiership reserve goalkeeper? Again, probably not. So you're looking again at youth keepers like Archer who are coming up and can't get time on the bench. Um, or you're looking at a long season loan or, you know, you're looking at goalkeepers in the lower leagues. You know, who'd want a pay rise as well. And if we're looking at them, you bet your bottom dollar that someone else is looking at them. But goalkeeping is a funny position. Um it is a confidence position. You know, the amount of times I've seen goalkeepers, you know, are tipped to be the next Golden Banks and, you know, far from it. You know, we, um, you know, everyone looks at Joe Hart. Joe Hart was meant to be the next big thing and yeah. isn't. Has made mistake after mistake after mistake. You know, you had Rob Green, Paul Robinson, all made mistakes that effectively ruined their careers. But, you know, going back further, Mervyn Day was, you know, going to yeah. be the next big thing, wasn't he? You know, Great at Arsenal, great young keeper, won awards, went to West Ham, had the most shocking confidence crisis ever and never recovered. You know, I know he played for Leeds United and a few others afterwards, but it does happen to keepers. But I think part of it is the overreaction on nine. Um, That's a modern thing, isn't it? It, it is really is a modern thing. You know, um, can you imagine how people would have reacted to Pat Cuff? And, you know, for the annual, if you remember, we, you know, we looked at Pat Cuff's stats and they were actually better than Tony Warner's when he won player of the year at the same level. Um, and someone said online last night, well, stats don't tell you everything. Well, no, but they, they, they do tell you quite a lot. You know, Archer's, I think, third in the, the league for saves to shot ratio. And people saying, well, it doesn't really tell you everything. Well, it tells you he's faced an awful lot of shots for one thing. Um, because people keep going on, oh, it's the defence that's won us all these clean sheets. It's not Archer. Are you trying to tell me that, you know, when we've kept those clean sheets, the opposition didn't have a single goal on target or a single attack? And then all of a sudden, oh, the goal's all down to Archer. Are you telling me Cooper didn't, you know, He's... screw it up for the second at Ipswich? Are you telling me other defenders ain't made mistakes? You know, we have a collective defence who um, concede and save goals collectively. You know, they all have their job to do. Um 
And throughout the season, we haven't gone a single game where people haven't had a shot on target. So to say that nothing's about that is down to Walter is ridiculous. It's but, an unsympathetic um, business football, isn't it, Neil? Um, especially it goalkeeping. Um, I'm just. It is, and I am biased, I admit it. But you know, it, it, the, the 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 main point. I mean, that I've I've learned over the last couple of weeks is the second goal at Ipswich. You know, it was a fantastic strike. But online, everyone's going. Oh, he led with a lot wronger hand. You know, you had all these coaching experts come out. But, yeah, a simple experiment is if you stick both your hands in the air and let's take the, the Fulham goal, you know, you stick your right hand out, as people say Archer should have, and stretch it out as far as you can. Now, bring your left one up and stretch it over. The thing you notice immediately, your left hand is always higher than your right one. And no matter how you dive, if you dive like that, you're taught to go with, you know, the opposite hand because when you dive... You're going at such a rate and such an angle that your left hand, in this instance, will always be higher than your right hand. So if he went for his right hand, he wouldn't have got anywhere near it, to be fair. Um, So, you know, people can do that experiment at home. It's quite an easy to do. It's very simple kind of goalkeeping explanation. But, um, you know, it's that kind of mob mentality. Like you say, every single goal is now overanalyzed. People look at it and, you know, they're, they're blaming one player. But, you know, you say that, but... You know, you, there's faults elsewhere in the, the team. You know, people were running on empty. You know, it's it's not to be overcritical, but you know, we've had a fantastic season. We went on a tremendous run, but we did. We it did. was a big ask to keep that up against Fulham, Middlesbrough, and then go into the playoffs, which we still technically could reach if we beat, you know, Villa Ma- six yeah. 0 and mathematically Derby lose miraculous. Yeah. But you no, know, I, but uh, it's lack of perspective at times. I mean, people need a, a scapegoat. After what has been for me, and I, I dare say you, we're both of a similar um, era, this has been one of the best seasons ever. Um, not the best, but one of the best. To come that close with a team built on minimal resources, and I include Jordan Archer in that. I mean, he's signed yeah. from Spurs. Um, they were letting him go, and we've picked up a, a prospect. I mean, I've just made a couple of notes. He's, he's the same player that made a number of miracle saves in League One. I, I take mm. the the point of the lower level. But, I mean, there was the famous header over his own barn. I remember yeah. one that I raved about. I, I think it was Berry, where he's made a, a near post and then a far post save and, and stuff of that kind. Um, but as we saw with David Fold, when the uh, when the wind changes, people don't care. I've got my 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 line. I've got his yesterday's heroes, tomorrow's zero, isn't it? It's in the nature of the business, sadly. It is. Um, you know, he made a tremendous double save at Portman Road. You know, really yeah. good double save. Um, you know, um, and he made a few good saves in the first half. And people look at the first goal and said, you know, why hasn't he caught that? You know, but this this shot zinged through a crowd of players. He's reacted to it and it's bounced down. He's made the follow up and then got absolutely no protection from the referee. You know. The defence should have cleared. You can go into the whys and wherefores. But, you know, that it, it was a harsh call to blame Archer. But, you know, everyone goes on about the save at Wembley last year. And, yes, it was a good save, but you can't live off um, or sit on your laurels. You can't and live, live on yesterday. Glory. No. Yeah. But, One um, final question for you, Neil, before I know, you, I know you've got a, a kid's game to go to this morning. I do, yes. Um, yes, I wonder why the goalkeeper, well, funny enough, the goalkeeper <laughs> there last week. Um, Harry made a... Up. An interesting point. He's gone for it. He's gone for it like this with his hands in his hair and then thought, oh, he's going wide, put his hands down and it's crept into the top corner. (laughs) Uh, Harry made a a point about the coaching, the quality of the Millwall coaching on Friday night and I thought it was an interesting point. Um, 
the flaws in the technique. There, there are. There's something that's to be dealt with, whether it's in you know confidence or technique. I don't know. Would you look at the quality of the coaching that our goalkeepers get at Millwall? Pressman is uh, the current yeah, coach, isn't he? I, I would. Yeah, sometimes you know, change is good as a rest. But um, I think it's the lack of decent quality competition. I think um, you know. Remember when yeah Archer first arrived, Archer. Gave yeah. Ford a lift and Ford started playing well again. Yeah. Um, and then Archer went in goal and Ford was the reserve. And, you know, Archer knew, you know, he couldn't let his guard there. He was more, you know, focused and, you know, like yeah. one player of the season, you know, which, you know, Ford fully supported. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, people go on about Martin, but, you know, Martin was a freebie from nowhere. Um, you know, 30 odd years of age, hasn't made a mark anywhere. He's not a great goalkeeper. You know, he made a mistake for the first um, against Rochdale, which if Archer had been in goal, everyone would have actually crucified him for. And one of the defences I saw in Hoff last night for that was, well, there's a different defence in front of him. What's that got to do with it? He still made the shot. He still made a mistake. You know, that's not a defence, you know. Um, this, you know, we go on about it has been a very good season, but let's not forget that the first Three months were terrible. You know, you know, we were losing at home to Burton when yeah. you know Wallace yeah. got reckless and dived in, and you know you can blame the referee and what have you. Um, you know, and we threw away a two-goal lead at QPR again. You know, players sent off, and we've, we've thrown other leads away elsewhere at the beginning of the season, which would have put us in the playoffs, which has got absolutely nothing to do with Archer. Um, but you know, people forget about that; they're just focused on this run. And one of the ironies is the people that moaning that we're staying in this division next year were the ones that were saying we shouldn't play a full team against Rochdale for a game against Tottenham because the priority is to stay in this division. So, you know, you can't keep anyone happy on off and no, you know, other online forums, can you? But um, I know the truth. I, I think yeah. I think it is the lack of decent competition. You know, you look at other clubs, you know, we always look at other clubs, obviously they've got the money, but, you know, they've also got, a couple of decent goalkeepers that are pushing each other for the same places. I mean, Sheffield United last week, you know, they dropped their goalkeeper to bring in that unknown goalkeeper from Blackburn, uh, sorry, from Chelsea rather, after a um, free match suspension. You know, had no qualms in dropping him, but there's a competition for places there. You know, they, yeah. there's competition all over the place for places for goalkeeping errors. Uh, sorry, goalkeeping spots. And obviously goalkeeping errors obviously comes with it. But... Um, I don't think we have that. I don't think Martin's good enough. And I think we need someone to come in to challenge Archer, whether that's a season-long loan um, or something like that, and see where he goes next year. Um, and the, the mistakes are still there. Then obviously he's, he's, he's become a bit flawed and, you know, perhaps yeah. he's damaged goods. But if he responds to the challenge and gets back to the form that won him, the player of the year, when the same fans that crucify him now were saying what a great goalkeeper is and how much better he is than fool who um, had previously won player of the year, you know, then... You know, there's obviously a prospect there, but, you know, people laugh that he got called up to the Scotland squad and whatever, but he got called up under two different managers. I know that's not the be-all and end-all, but they could see something there as well in Archer. You know, he's a great shot stopper. Um, You know, very good reactions, close at hand. Um, You know, I know people say, oh, when he comes for crosses, but again, you know, these balls that zip about, you know, sometimes you've got to punch them these days. You can't keep catching them because... They're not true flights, as they say. You know, they, they swerve a bit. I think we've, we've got to look at the goalkeeping coaching situation uh, because Ford went through this crisis as well, and I think we Preston did. was here then as well. Um, we've got to look at, you know, what we're doing in terms of crosses and what have you, and we've got to look to kind of strengthen this spot. Is Tom King going to come through, and is he good enough to challenge Archer? Um, 
what's the point of having Martin um, when we got Tom King? You know, if, if they've brought in Martin because we don't think Tom King's good enough, then we we've got to let one of them go, and um, we've got to bring someone in to challenge Archer because trying to find a replacement isn't going to be as easy as people think. Um, I agree. You know, with that. I, think, yeah, I agree. think it's very difficult to find a solid goalkeeper. You know, you look. You know, we were spoiled with Gray and Warner, um, yeah. and then we had Marshall, who, despite his faults and what have you, you know, was a decent goalkeeper on his day. But then we went through this period with Chris Day and um, yeah. Lenny Bidgley, and we had um, Reese Evans and a few others. A few names, came, yeah. yeah, yeah. Before Ford came in, and it's the position settled down again. But it's yeah, as we all know, you know, we're very good with our goalkeepers you know long history of good goalkeepers Absolutely. no one really remembers the reserves but i remember the times when you know when casey keller left and tim carter came in and we had david nurse and players like that yeah very hard to find a decent goalkeeper and we ended up getting nigel spink to see us out of trouble at age of 41 so you know there's not there's not a lot of good potential to be mined of solid established goalkeepers we've experienced so it's it's kind of stick or twist at the moment summer of I decision think, i think uh, yeah i think i think we should stick a lot of people think we should twist but yeah. sometimes when you twist you get a card you don't really want that's a lot worse than what you had in your hand before coaching and competition seems to be key from that neil um and and trying to help him get his confidence back I think. confidence I think the three confidence, c's the three yeah c's. i think i think the, yeah the fourth c would be a swear word which we can't mention on air but you know, <laughs> but, you know. that's fantastic stuff neil crazy horse andrews you've got a youth game to attend mate i really appreciate you taking time and that's great stuff we'll see we shall see I'll see you at the wall. Big welcome finally on today's show to fan on the board, Mickey Simpson. Welcome to the show, Mickey. Good morning, Nick. How you doing, fella? You right? Yeah, we're all a bit flat in the aftermath of yesterday's result and uh, the end of the season. But um, it's been a wonderful one, Mick, isn't it? It's been a great season to be a Mill supporter. I think it's been a great season. I mean, look, we, let's not kid ourselves. This time last year, we were we were expecting to finish just above relegation, probably on goal difference, if we're honest, yeah. to, to save ourselves into the championship and to perform where we are. And I think it's, I think it's like what what Neil said. You know, we paid well above our average, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we suddenly got found. You know, that the teams we come against are are pretty much true Premiership potentials. Um, and it's a different level, you know. Our players are there, but yeah. they just don't have that final, that final push. Resources. So, it comes down to money. Um, some of these other teams bring massive resources. I'm just looking at, um, well, Fulham. I mean, the, the owner of Fulham is the Jacksonville Jaguars owner in a, in the US and wants to buy Wembley Stadium. So that's the level that some of these teams play at. Mick, it's it's not an easy well, thing, is it? it? When you look at Middlesbrough at the beginning of the season, I think Middlesbrough spoke, spent nearly forty-three million pounds on players. Wolves, same, um, you know. Yeah, Wolves the same. Everyone else, I think, we've done it on a on a stream purely on the passion of playing for the badge. Yeah, and I think it's that good old-fashioned because even I don't think it's done us that bad within the promotional states because everyone suddenly you know we're, we're looking at more. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Okay, look, mathematically, everything else it's pretty much over. But you know what? If we suddenly give Villa a massive rumping at the weekend and 
and Derby gets a massive rump in, etc., etc. You know, anything's we, possible. We scraped through in the last minutes. I mean, look at last season; we scraped through in the last minute. So, um, I think yeah. it's one of those. It's not over until the fat lady sings, but at the moment, it looks as if uh, it looks as if we've got another year in the championship, which is great stuff. Um, yeah, and I think it's just you know enjoy what we've had. Um, I think some of the results we've had this year were great. I think the year's worth of hard work to get the Leeds tickets um, unrestricted paid off. Um, and I can't thank the fans enough. I, I put my, you know, I put my cock on a block really with yeah. the Leeds coppers and said, look, trust us, it'll be fine. Treat us right, our fans will behave. Yeah. I said, it's when you treat them wrong that they behave, you know, you treat them like animals, you're going to get animals. It's as simple as that. And he went, all right, you know what, we'll do it. We'll release the tickets, we'll get rid of that, and we'll give you the whole of Leeds. And then go, and then, Christ, now next year, we're going to be playing Leeds again, and we're going to get the same. We're going to get the whole of Leeds to drink in. We're going to get basically designated spaces where we can get the buses. Um, you know, I, I never thought I'd see some of the letters, what we've got this year from the police, actually saying, you know what, your fans ain't that bad. So come forward next year. We've had some. We've had, uh, you know, I mean, I'm doing a, obviously on the, on on my new pod show, on the new podcast I'm yeah. going to do. I've got a special next week with um, Steve Cavanaugh coming up, yep. and then there'll be a few others lined up with a um, a few things, slightly different tash because I don't want to interfere with your one. It's not going to be purely all about football. It's going to be more of the background stories, talking to players, talking yeah. to, you know, like Steve Cav, talking to fans, etc., etc., etc. So, you know, I don't want it to interfere with what you do because I think. That's, that's your market but we're going to a bit more detail with Steve but some of the clubs this year just regardless of what the police told them or anything else they just didn't want us there for, for no uncertainty some um, kerfuffle up at Middlesbrough yesterday Mick after the game um uh, really on Twitter, um, people asking for video of Coppers batoning Millwall fans reacting to Middlesbrough. Now, we're, we don't know the full story, but um, as I mean, always... I've been sent videos. I've been sent videos. Basically. Have you? Um, okay. And I've got the videos, and I speak to the club about them. I mean, I've got, you know, various sides. But at the end of the day, if, if Millwall fans have been dealt with unjustly, then, you know, complaints will be made, and, and, and we'll deal with Before it. Before um, right. You know, but again got to take hats off to the offense i mean i'm not being funny gone back in years gone back that police line what was there what you, what, you know I, i've what i've seen on videos and stuff like that gone back a few years Millwall fans would have charged there Millwall yeah. fans wouldn't have stood there taking that provocation at all but you know what it's they knew that it, it, you know the players were coming over they wanted to see the players they wouldn't celebrate they didn't want to you know sour the day or sour the season so you know what it is what it is but I think Middlesbrough are lucky that, you know, the fans didn't make the pitch because it could have ended in a, a lot worse. So I think we've got to thank the fans for that. I think, you know, yeah. um, I think that. That, you know, that works in a day. But you know what? They know now that, you know, if we need to, we will. Um, I think the, the Middlesbrough bag situation um, got blown out of all proportion to what it was. Um, large bags were basically overnight bags. Um, it wasn't rucksacks. It wasn't, you know, people going with kids. And Family all stuff, the yeah, same rules. Yeah, yeah. It's the same rules what, what apply to every public stadium within the country. You know, in, in the current light with the terrorism and everything else, you can't take in huge, great big bags into events. You can't take toiletries and all this. Lot. Same as you can't take over 100 mil on planes. It's the same rules as what, what's at Millwall on a match day. Yeah. Um, there is no difference. It's just, I think, certain 
certain people decided to, to fuel it rather than actually understand what it was and, and support it. But you know what? It is what it is. So, um, yeah. you know, we got there in the end. I think everybody got in what needed to be. It was just, you know, don't take your suitcase. And that was pretty much it, really. But, yeah. Off the field, we've, we've got the Lewisham mayoral elections looming. I think they're next week, aren't they? Next Thursday, I believe. Um, yeah, next Thursday, yeah. The, the third, club of, third of May, I think now, isn't it? Yeah, the club have written to all of the candidates, including Labour, Damien Egan, the Tory, Ross Archer, a Liberal, Chris Maines, and one or two others from the minor parties. Um, good replies back from everyone, apart from... <laughs> the one that matters, um, Damien Egan for Labour, who, who seems rather evasive, Mick, on the, the question of whether the, the compulsory purchase orders will be revived post-election. The club clearly fear that that is so. Where, what, what, what do you make of it, mate? I think that's... No, I think that's it. I mean, um, the club and Steve Cavanaugh made a, a point of saying, look, you know, we're one of the biggest employers... In the patch, we're we're obviously a major employer within yeah. the area. Um, we want some um, understanding of what's potentially going forward. Um, so they made a, an active decision that they'd speak to every single mayoral candidate, ranging from people for profit to the Conservatives to the Lib Dems, like you said, yeah. every single person who's going for it. Um, and then they made it clear that their replies and their letters would be public. Um, so it's completely open. So pretty much the club doesn't want to support one particular party, one particular road, but they want their fans to understand, those who live in Lewisham and are going to vote, which ones support their team and which ones don't. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, as we know, Labour are very powerful and they are potentially going to win. Um, let's not, you know, let's not hide from that fact. They are potentially going to win because they have been in Lewisham for, what, 30-odd years. But yeah. again... I think there's a lot of power. I mean, if you look into it, uh, into the, the history and, and, and everything else that's going on, Damien Egan potentially could be the shortest mayor in history being there because if he gets in and they get a referendum, what it seems every other party, including some of the Labour group, wants, um, that they want to get rid of this elected mayor to take away the power. The directly elected so mayor, yeah. To, yeah, yeah, so it goes back to a normal system. Mm. <laughs> if that referendum works then potentially Damien Egan would be the shortest mayor in history. So all, all, all the club wants is what Damien Egan said in 2017 about pushing the regeneration back. <coughs> going back, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, go, right. back to, um, go back to the drawing board, put it, yeah. back to, you know, put it back to the planning, get more social housing, get more everything involved, then great. But the trouble is he won't agree or disagree on his statement he put out in 2017. So the stance we've got is to say, well, this was your view back then. Has yeah. it changed, yes or no? Yeah. Straightforward, but he's done a typical politician by not answering yes or no. And the club's got to work with whoever becomes mayor, the club's got to work with. So all they're trying to do is build bridges and understand where they stand now. And unfortunately, um, I think there's one or two sort of on the smaller, on the smaller parties. But Damien just blatantly hasn't, you know... I mean, even those emails from, is it Jim Maloney? Jim, Jim Maloney? Okay, I mean, the, the, the chief yeah, whip, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, oh, this is just a holding statement. Why is it a holding statement? Why can't you just make a statement? And why be so arrogant that you think you're just going to walk through the door and it's all, it's all going to be yours? Because it seems as if there's, take the CPO out, 
with various other things that seem to have gone on on the borough over the last two, three years, it seems that locals are not happy with what's going on. Yes, I understand that there's probably not that many Millwall fans living in Lewisham Borough. You know, a lot of them live on other boroughs. But if if the normal population that live in Lewisham are getting unhappy way it's going on, you don't really blame them, do you? You know, I would have thought that they would have probably dropped a bit of the the attitude and a bit of the arrogance. The fact that they took um, Diane Abbott out mm. shows to me that obviously, you know, Deputy or, or Shadow Home Secretary means yeah. that they're probably worried about their seats. You don't normally bring out the top guns unless you're worried for the seats you're fighting, do you? It's a party that's split. I mean, many parties are split, and this is not a politics show, so it's a football show. But in Lewisham, which does relate to us at the Den, um, Labour is split between what you might call the the older guards, the some will call them Blairites, and the newer wave, which Egan start, slightly straddles both camps. The newer wave that want to be seen as um, Jeremy Corbyn right on, you know, f- uh, for the people type of supporters. Um, and Labour, I think, is split right down the middle in, in, in Lewisham Borough, as in many other places, Mickey. Well, definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, we already know that Heidi Alexander is obviously anti-Corbyn yeah. because she's made that quite public. But, you know, she's leaving. She looks as if she's going to City Car Regeneration. Gravy train, again, that's called. So that's a... Well, no, you see, I think it's more that... I think it's more that she's probably been told. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and don't forget, if you look back, you only need to Google her and look back and see everything she said about, you know, being an MP is all she's wanting to do and she wanted to do this and do that. But the trouble is, and again, you know, I'm not political and I couldn't really care less about the parties, but mm. the fact that momentum is, is gaining power within the Labour Party, and if you're on the outside of that and you're you're quite vocal... They seem to be getting in and, and forcing people out. So I think, unfortunately, she's fell foul of, yeah. of them. Deselection is, is the um, process they call it, which is where you're no longer well, um, more, selected I as a candidate. Of, I think it's more polite of, by the way, it's time for you to go and disappear quick. <laughs> um, that's another way to put it. Then, well, because, you know, that's politely. I mean, you know, I do like, you know, your show can have a swear on it, but I mean, it's... <laughs> I think she's been told to go so they can then put in a momentum candidate. Yeah. Because um, obviously that's going to force a by-election. But the fact that she's going to city come for regeneration is, again, you've got to look at it with a slight worry. The cl- club want to work with whoever gets elected and they, they, they have to. There's no other place to go to. Um, the criticism of the club previously has been that there's been no clear plan of action. The club haven't been um, as... Um, tight on, on on Millwall's proposals, whereas Renewal have got this fully formed plan for the area. Um, I'm guessing... No, the club has got proposals. The problem that you've got with the club is that, don't forget, the land, what, you know, Millwall can only look at the land, what's around the den, what, what they're looking at possibly building on. Yeah. And the trouble is at the moment, Lewisham told Millwall a few years ago that that land's not for sale. And then six months later, they do a conditional land sale with renewal and then hide the price. Yeah. Went to court, fought freedom of information request. But when they fought the freedom of information request, it's now come out that, you know, whether, you know, which I think is 100% legal, it can do, I think it happens in that world, is that the developer, the offshore secret developer, paid their legal fees. 
So they hid the price they sold it to them from the public of the sale of public land um, and then basically, you know, defended it instead of the council defending it. Or they did, they, they did defend it, but obviously Renewal allegedly paid for it. Yeah, it's so, a sense of double think, dealing, you know, isn't it? Um, massively. Um, but Renewal, not Renewal, but the club can't then, you know, and I think we wouldn't expect the club to start investing hundreds of thousands of pounds in planning planning consultants, planning drawings. I mean, they've got planning drawings, but they're not suddenly going to submit planning permission and everything else in a, in a scheme where you don't own the land. It's like me and you saying, right, we're going to build an extension on our land. Yeah. We're going to pay for everything. And then all of a sudden, you're the landlord and say, well, actually, Mick, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. And I've just spent, you know, half a million pounds trying to get it through the door when you suddenly say, actually, that's not going to happen. So I can understand why the club's not actually done anything, but they are saying to the council, look, you know, take the conditional land sale back, give us a longer lease. We want to move forward. You want us to submit. Okay. Yes, we're sub- I mean, the club, the, all the club want is a regent to go on. And then all they want is basically to be part of that, to be, it's the heart of the regeneration. Yeah. They're in the middle of it and they believe that they should be involved, not pushed to the side, which I totally agree with. And we want to preserve our place in South Bermondsey. We want to develop the land that we sit on in partnership with Renewal, um, and we want our community scheme to be the lead local um, outreach um, body for the area, as it always has I been. Think, no, totally, but I think the part of that statement, what I wouldn't necessarily agree with, but I'd say that it needs to be redeveloped in partnership with Lewisham, because Lewisham owned the land. Oh, not re- not Renewal, renewal. okay. The land, but the problem is, is that Renewal owned the rest of the land, that's fine, but the part what around the stadium... Is, is public land, is council land. Yeah. So they want to do that, and we know why Renewal want it, or allegedly why Renewal want it, because as soon as they get their hands on that land, they can then sell it all off, right. and that's the bit what makes them the money. So that's why, you know, realistically, you've got to look 11 years down the line, why haven't they built anything anywhere else? Yeah, the track record is... is... Um, being diplomatic is patchy, Mick, isn't it? And um, no reason to think it's not going to remain patchy at the den. Um, so if you're listening, Damien Egan, um, the club want to want to talk to you? They want talk to, to yeah, yeah. you know, the doors are open. There's still and, a few days to go. Sadiq Khan was offered, was offered a meeting with the club and unfortunately he turned it down because he was too busy. But then turned up at Dulwich Hamlet. Yeah. You're like, you know... You can't have it both ways. Either you're too busy, you can't turn up, or you can turn up. So, you know, my, my view would be, look, Sadiq Hard needs to speak to the club. Uh, as far as I believe, the offer um, from Steve Kavanagh still stands yep. um, to have a meeting. Um, Damien Egan, I think, again, is there to have a meeting. I think it needs to sit down and have a communication and put things in place. Because, let's not, you know, Damien Egan is going to be the mayor, so we can't... You know, I don't think the club wants to burn bridges. They want to try and build on those bridges. Yeah. Um, but on the same level, they want something back. You can't just have false promises and people saying, well, you know what, Look, I, I, I'll agree to it next Monday. Well, no, agree to it now and then be a man of your word and stick to it if you get in. I, wanna, I think that's the best opportunity with it. I want to close with the Wonderwall Cup, Mickey. You've um, got this um, charity event for vict- uh, in aid of victims of the Manchester and London terror attacks on the 27th of May, mate, haven't you? Wonderwall Cup. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, we're just going to... It's a fundraising event. It's not an actual charity. It's a fundraising event to yep. raise money for um, the victims of the terrorism attack plus emergency services. 
Um, it's then thanks to Steve Kavanagh and the club for giving us the club um, for the ground for the day. Yeah. It's hopefully going to be, there's loads of celebrities there or, or Zed's List or, or whatever <laughs> way you want to do, but there's celebrities there. I, I hadn't heard of some of these people, but, the you know, that's not the point. Um, it's, it's cheap entry, it's £10 a ticket. If, yep. if you want to look at getting involved in, um, in possibly sponsoring it, we can, we've got a load of sponsorship posters going into JD Sports and stuff, so you can get your logo on there for about 500 quid, or there are some other sponsorship packages, um, because obviously we've got to cover the running costs, so the problem is we've got to obviously cover the cost of the stewards, etc. The police have given us free police for the day. Right. Um, the club has given us fair amounts, but obviously the stewards and stuff are, are a legal requirement and, and they need paying for. So hence why we need the sponsorship and, and a few other bits and pieces. But no, I think it's all right. I mean, Alex Ray's coming back and we've got a few others coming down. Yeah. So I think it will be um, a great day. £10, £10 for adults, uh, £6 for under 16 and under 12s are only three quid. So it's easily for a family of four under 30 quid. Um, we've got a few, you know, the exec box is going to be open, etc. We've got a few bits being planned. Yep. I think it'll be a jolly good day. I mean, it's, it was a brainchild of um, me and a guy, Andy, um, who's based in Manchester. Yeah. We just wanted to give something back. Well, we thought that football brings people together. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I mean, if I'm honest, Andy's worked his socks off. He's probably on the verge of giving himself a nervous breakdown overall. <laughs> Um, no, seriously, the, the geezers work tirelessly. Um, he's, he's, you know, those who know me is a, a well-known Millwall, um, Millwall bloke, Millwall yep. fan, but he's absolutely worked his nuts off for this, and I can't, you know, I don't think I can thank him enough for it. I mean, we're just hoping for the day so that we can sit and chill, and then the Monday goes. So, you know, there's an after party, there's a, an exec lounge, everything else, and I think, nice it'll, be a, a, I think it'll be a great event. And you so get tickets um, on the Mill yeah, FC site? Yep, Mill website. I mean, um, unfortunately, because it's a standard ticket system on there, if you want to buy um, tickets online, then you're obviously limited to six per person. But if yeah. you've got friends and families tied up in your, um, in, in your little box or whatever it is, your online box, then, um, then, um, then you just do it there. It's the Wonderwall Cup, so you can do it then. 27th of May at the Den. We're also just, yeah. I mean, we've got a thing running on, on Twitter at a minute where we need um, 100 supporters to be able to send out a massive tweet. Yep. Um, and again, if people can get on there and support, it's just literally giving us authorization to use your Twitter um, account as such. We're not, after, after the tweet's gone out, it's not, you know, continuously being used. It's just so that, at a time later on today, 8 o'clock today, we can use the account, but we need 100 people to do it. So far, I think we're at 27, 28, and it gives us access to about 50,000 people. It's just a way to get the, hopefully, get the hashtag trending and, and obviously pushing it out. But there's a few videos and stuff, and just, you know, just give us amber retweets, give us likes, etc. just help us out, and, and that's all we do. But, yeah, it'll be a good day. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. Um, 27th of May is in my okay, diary. You want a media pass, do you? Eh? You want to meet me? You, you want my autograph? I said, no. I said, you, you want a media pass, do you? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, now you're the media hall. Don't forget, don't forget you can catch Nick on a Friday evening on, uh, oh, on the on Love Sport Radio. Radio. Absolutely. He, he no doubt won't plug himself, but he's a great show. <laughs>
You'll hear so, all faces throughout the week on there, but it's a good show. Nine till ten every Friday night. Oh, yeah, that tenor's in the post to you, Mickey. That tenor's in the post, mate. That's great stuff, mate. Appreciated. No worries, Mickey Simpson, fan on the board. Visit him at, at Millwall FOTB for more Wonderwall Cup details. Back it, it's a great cause. That's the show this week, dear listeners. Um, a little bit of a flat one in some ways, but there we go. Arriva Dirty Millwall. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.